Won two hundred fifty dollars today. I called Hello. into uh, a, a local radio station here. Trivia uh, <laughs> or something? No, just if you're caller fourteen, you get two hundred fifty bucks. What? That's all it takes. Yeah. yeah, and then you have to give them a four-digit code, and if you get the four-digit code, you win a hundred grand. I didn't win that though. You have to guess it. Yeah. Well, you have to guess a four-digit code to win four for to win the hundred grand. But you get two fifty just for calling in and being fourteen. Oh. Damn! They don't even gave you like a cryptic clue or anything. I asked for a hint this time. This is my second time winning. The other time I won, <laughs> I got fifty dollars. <laughs> Good for you, dude. Uh, money. Do you do that while you're at work? Maybe. To another episode of Poison for Profit. Uh, got another uh, hard-hitting episode today. Uh, I'm Nick. And I'm Zach. And today we're going to be talking with you guys about uh, some Texas oil export projects, uh, a trade fight, some lab-grown meats, and some air pollution causing children to drop in their schooling. Uh, so another very interesting, uh, info-filled episode for everybody. Uh, hope everyone's been enjoying it, and we're going to jump right into it. Yeah, so our first article we're talking about is the U.S. threatening to start a trade fight with Mexico over their new GMO corn ban that they're planning to um, have fully in place by January 2024. Uh, so... Mexico is under now the leadership of President Lopez Obrador. A couple of his um, moves that he's making in the agricultural industry is phasing out GMO corn and also phasing out glyphosate um, being used in Mexico. A couple of things I think we may have talked about in earlier episodes, but two things that a lot of uh, money is made on from uh, U.S. companies. There's a couple of legislators in uh, states like Nebraska and Iowa that are asking the the United States trade representative to intervene on this. We saw it with Kenya, where Kenya is removing the GMO ban uh, that was already in place there. And now we're seeing kind of a reversal in Mexico. Uh, And it's kind of what you would expect. What we talked about is it's a threat to profits for U.S. companies uh, and for, you know, U.S. agriculture markets. So they're obviously going to be fighting back. And it's kind of funny because there was a couple articles a few weeks ago about how Mexico, like from the Wall Street Journal, about how Mexico is going to start a trade war over this. Um, 
and now you know these publications are reversing it saying now the u.s is threatening because obviously mexico isn't going to start a trade war with the u.s right for any reason yeah there's no reason they would want to do that uh so you know they're just really trying they're doing it for human health reasons and and to protect mexico's native corn varieties another thing we talked about before was how even if you plant that conventional native corn it can get contaminated by uh, gmo corn through cross-pollination um the uh u.s ag industry is kind of making a lot of excuses for it now saying that it might not even be possible to separate non-gmo from gmo imports or exports um this is another layer to some tension that's been building between the u.s and mexico uh, is existing over mexico's new energy policy stance uh, that the u.s kind of thought that mexico was favoring state-owned oil and utility companies over u.s businesses um, which if they were good for them right <laughs> like it, it's it's an oil company and, and if the government owns it you know all better for them to kind of control their own resources you know what i mean mexico is the second biggest corn export market for the u.s and it uh it's usually about 4.7 billion dollars per year i think last year was something like five over five billion dollars uh was uh, spent on corn imported from the u.s i mean it's a it's a big share of the the u.s crop exports right um another thing that was brought up in the article was you know this is obviously going to affect food prices in mexico talking about a 19 percent rise in the cost of corn and possibly a 16 percent rise in the cost of tortillas um that being said you know if the composition of what's the crops grown changes then that is subject to change too right so if more conventional corn is grown non-gmo corn is grown that that's just going to add to their supply and that you know cost is going to drop as time goes on yeah Um, exactly there there might be some interruptions right like if it is true that they can't really separate gmo from non-gmo um if there really is kind of this big dispute that's going to happen um, between these administrations. We'll see what happens. But uh, I mean, ultimately, Mexico is trying to, you know, craft their policy based on what they think is good for their people and what's good for their natural resources, right? With their native varieties and for their human health. That's what they're trying to protect. So for the U.S. to start a trade war over something like this, um, I think it's just pretty indicative of how these kinds of countries are treated whenever they go outside the bounds of what uh, what the U.S. I guess empire uh, deems acceptable. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, you will buy from us or else, basically. <laughs> yeah. 
they're not yeah, really uh, giving them a choice in what that's, yeah, that's, feed that's, their people. And they, I mean, they could very well, they will buy non-GMO corn from the U.S. All it really takes is farmers planting non-GMO corn. You're not losing. They're not saying, you know, we're not buying from the U.S. anymore. They're saying we're not buying GMO corn. But obviously this has implications for biotech industry, ag industry, who makes all this money off of, you know, Roundup Ready corn, a drought tolerant, um, you know, insect resistant. Uh, that's all patented, right? Um, and then makes money for these industries. So it's more of protecting the interest of these giant corporations who own this technology than it is protecting U.S. farmers, right? Right, and I made exactly. the point on, I made the point on Twitter is like, it's kind of like the Biden administration putting in work for like the Gates Foundation. <laughs> That's what I kind of see it as, as these people who are pushing GMOs uh, are using now the government uh, and, you know, Congress representatives to fight back the idea of that other countries can decide not to use it. Yeah, exactly. And then also with the, the inc- they're almost kind of touting the threat of increasing cost of corn, which uh, I was just looking in that article as well. They're saying, you know, it's going to raise 19% for, uh, you know, for corn and all that. Um, but I looked, the company that prepared the study, World Perspectives Incorporated, is a company based out of Washington, D.C. So, again, <laughs> they have the best interest of the U.S. in their mind. Yeah, um, if, you, if you want, like, uh, a good, you know, well-rounded opinion. It should be uh, third don't party. Look, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't look at any company or like think tank or anything from washington dc exactly yeah there so how can we even trust that and i mean even to me a 19 percent increase in corn you can go to the store and get an ear of corn for 50 cents right now at least yeah. by me and i don't live where they grow a lot of corn so i don't know uh, that much increase just to get what is to me healthier safer corn is nothing uh even if that number is true so yeah and i don't i guess i don't know what the the market food market or, or whatever is like in mexico right now but yeah i mean like this is simply their elected government trying to make decisions to benefit them right and the other thing is, too, is, like, who knows how they calculated that? That could be if they just strictly don't yeah, that could use be a, glyphosate, right? Yeah, They're that not could be changing a, their practices at all compared to... Uh, yeah, it could be if no corn is coming in from the U.S. at all. Right. Or they're taking any crop that isn't sprayed with glyphosate or isn't a GMO is going to like die or something 
yeah they're you know who knows they could be using extreme standards such as that um no yeah i feel like farmers for the most part are smart they're gonna find a different way to grow it if they don't have the gmos they've been growing corn for hundreds of years before this and they can go back to some more of those traditional methods or they can go towards some of those uh methods that are more regenerative 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 yeah yeah regenerative uh yeah if the market's not there they're not going to be using it exactly i mean this is probably at this point the most effective way to make that change uh is for other governments with ours isn't going to do anything other governments to you know dictate what's acceptable for imports right um but yeah, you brought up a good point. It's important to know where these studies are coming from. Very much World so. World Perspectives Incorporated. Yeah. Um, it's not, I wouldn't trust it as a, an unbiased organization. Yeah, it's it's always something to look into. <laughs> so I just happened to look real quick. Yeah, it's funny that I was also looking at a... Uh, an article on the World Economic Forum uh, website earlier today. There's something about like the best countries to retire in, um, and all the companies at the top were uh, like Western Western Europe. Um, and then somehow there there was not one North American country in the top really? ten, but that was the best region to retire in it went in north america then western europe then eastern europe and then i think asian pacific was like at the bottom but it's like this <laughs> it's so funny this study was from uh the visual capitalist i was like <laughs> of course exactly yeah. It's, yeah the data the nowadays i feel like they can skew it so much to be you know whatever they need it to be they can take right. they can know. take whatever metrics they want and analyze them however they want yeah exactly it's it's you really need to it's like unfortunately look at the data yourself um to right. truthfully get a feel for what's going on or just like the the study design yeah right which a little unfortunately bit a... is hard for a lot of people like who has the time who has you know, to make sure, oh, let's make sure Monsanto isn't skewing the numbers that their glyphosate is actually killing people. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's so easy to, to just misinform people. It is, and the or, problem is is it's hard to keep people accountable, accountable for that because with the way they did the study, it could have showed that. But if they're, you know, purposely skewing a study, that, that way it shows your product is safe, then that's yeah. you know and, and it i mean it penetrates every single you know realm of information in our society right like there's no publication that's immune to it even the epa was you know whether you want to say it's misled or purposeful that they've allowed glyphosate and other you know pesticides to be on the market for as long as they have when they do cause damage and the EPA is saying they don't because of the information that they're accepting. Right. So yeah, this is a little bit of a deviation <laughs> <from the> episode, <laughs> a but a little bit, 
Yeah, I I guess my like concluding thoughts on this is uh, I think this is pretty uh, brave of Mexico, and uh, I think it's a good move overall. I think they'll have a Definitely. healthier population. Uh, I mean, if anything, it'll just give them more independence, right? They'll if they can get through it and actually get it done for for their future, I think it bodes well, yeah. Moving on to our next topic, we're going to be looking at a article from the Washington Post titled young kids who breathe polluted air can fall behind in school so the main thesis in the study is talking about how areas of high poverty uh, are being found correlated to areas that are uh, contaminated with a variety of different air pollutants and then how this is then resulting in those children and students having worse and reduced uh, reading and math abilities. Uh, so this is something I feel like we have already known uh, happened many a times in the past, how these high poverty uh, communities have been disproportionately exposed to, I mean, tons of different atrocities, uh, air pollution just being another one of those. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, they're going to have lower income housing near factories, near highways, which are a huge source of air pollution, uh, near all these things that, you know, if you have a little bit more money, you don't have to live next to that. But for some people, that's not an option. So I just yeah, I feel... remember. Oh, go ahead. I just remember living in Chicago um, and there was a, a, a metal recycling facility that had plans of, of being put somewhere on the south side but yeah it took a lot of effort to actually for the community to block that so this, these big emitters and like these big uh, environmental contaminators like they are almost exclusively in these areas right right and I think another big thing with the, what you just said is it takes a lot of time and effort and money to block something like this going in, which I, I'm sorry, but like a lot of these high poverty places, like someone in that community probably doesn't know that maybe that that is a problem for their children. They might not have the money to fight, even if they do know it is a problem and that it is affecting them or in like the time. I mean, they're probably working two jobs they're not yeah, able I mean, to make this fight or this push yeah we're kind of i mean this is not totally related but we're in this kind of i think point in time where we're almost moving backwards on labor some labor issues where a, i think a standard shift in you know a manufacturing facility at this point is probably 12 hours um where you know it used to be eight hours right you'd have mm -hmm. you know four shifts whatever to cover the entire day now people are downsizing to like two 12-hour shifts you know whatever it is i mean and we can kind of see it with 
what's happening with the the rail workers right now. Um, but people, yeah, people don't have that time or the resources to really dedicate themselves to a fight like this in their communities. It doesn't seem like. Right. And unless they're, you know, local representatives know about these issues and care about these issues, frankly, um, it's probably not getting addressed. Yeah. Uh, So uh, I guess getting back to the article a little bit, they had followed children until they were four years old. Um, from when they were born and they're assessed in their early reading and math skills and they were finding relatively strong evidence that being born in a poor neighborhood harms their early cognitive development uh, just at least partly due to their exposure to the neurotoxic air pollution so just to me it's like I don't know I just feel terrible for these people you know they're not like it's going to just be a cycle, you know, they can't get out of it because I mean, we all kind of know you need to get a good education at least through high school to get a good job and to like support yourself and to know, you know, Oh, I need to do this to be able to support myself in life. Um, but not having just like the basic skills of reading and math skills, it's going to be very hard, um, to, to break that cycle. So, uh, to me, it just is kind of, uh, I mean, we all kind of knew that air pollution is harmful to people, but now that they're coming out with studies showing that this air quality is affecting children, I really hope that, uh, you know, city planners, and that will take that into, uh, you know, account when they're, you know, thinking of adding a new highway or a new factory into the city or, and to where to actually put it or if there's better ways to mitigate the pollution that is caused if there are residential um, structures nearby yeah yeah and one we one thing we talked about before we started the episode was like historically right we're talking about uh, like leaded gasoline right as that's burned it's, it makes its way into you know the environment and people breathe that in and that was a huge uh, cause of like children or, or just people with lower issues. IQs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. I mean, it's not really surprising that to me that other types of exhaust like would cause that, right? Or not, not necessarily in the same way that lead would, but um, we know it's not good to breathe in, right? Um, exactly. Or, I think you know. Go ahead. Like, like steel factory slag or something. Just emissions coming out of these places that are burning fuel or, or some other kind of byproduct coming out of them that are entering these communities. Right, and I feel I was gonna say I feel like the biggest difference is that these are you know you don't really notice a kid has reading or math issues until maybe a few years. So, right, like, yeah, they need time to be able to compare it to something, yeah. Right, and so it's just like, well, you know, they're just a bad student. That's, I feel like, what this is going to be attributed to. So I think just this way, if they're able to link the air pollution and these high-poverty communities, just I think that hopefully that'll lead to better decisions in the future. 
because I feel like as a whole or, you know, as a like world, honestly, we kind of ignore things like, oh, this is only bad for you in really high doses. We don't really care about, oh, you get a little dose here, a little dose here, and then eventually it catches up with you. Um, and I just think that that usually gets ignored. I just really hope that, uh, I mean, as we talked, it's it's always the high poverty neighborhoods. It's always the people that can be taken advantage of that get taken advantage of. It's really sad to me. This next one is a little, I would say, loosely related um, in terms of emissions. But the Biden administration just quietly approved a huge Texas oil export project. Uh, so the, the Department of Transportation Maritime Administration approved plans to build the Seaport Oil Terminal located off the ghost or the off off the Gulf Coast <laughs> of Texas uh, and it's this is the first um, oil terminal port of four proposed uh, that are in the uh, pipeline right now the proverbial pipeline um, but this specific facility, uh, will add about 2 million barrels per day to the U.S. oil export capacity. Uh, and I will mention COP27 one more time and, <laughs> and Biden's speech about uh, phasing out fossil fuels, right? Uh, that's kind of, that, I mean, he sort of, I mean, I mean, to a point, ran on that for president. But, I mean, Pete Buttigieg is his... Uh, DOT secretary, right? So um, he's also involved in this. Uh, the goal that the U.S. has is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions 40% from 2005 levels um, by 2030. I don't know why they cherry-picked 2005. I assume 2005 is just, like, enormously high. Um, mm. <laughs> but... But this, uh, this project is going to make that a lot more difficult. Um, and it will effectively create emissions equal to about 233 millions of carbon dioxide per year, which would come out to about 4% of U.S. emissions total, um, which is like, that's huge, right? 4% of the entire country's is coming from this new project at a time where, you know, we keep talking about phasing out fossil fuels. Yeah, that's just, it's like, seems completely against everything you're being told that they stand for, being what they're saying in their speeches that they stand for, just doesn't make sense. Right, and if you're a voter that's voting based on environmental issues, well, I mean, why do you vote for Biden now or people to judge now, right? Like, what's the, the if they're going to go and do this after all their rhetoric and, and blowing smoke, 
literally, I guess. But um, I, it, it's just kind of a slap in the face, right? The uh, Maritime Administration said that the project will add the benefit of employment. Um, and this is like a big export port. Um, so, I, Nick, I want you to guess how many permanent jobs this will create. Oh, you always make me guess. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with 100,000. I don't know. That's probably uh, way too many. Let me re-guess. Let me re-guess. Okay. God, dude, I don't know it's a real number. So, uh, <laughs> 10,000. Uh, well, I'll just give you for a reference the the plant that I work in employs about three hundred, oh, and it's so like way size, and it's a medium sized plant. Yeah, five thousand. Five thousand. Uh, this is gonna, in terms of permanent jobs, this is gonna create sixty two of them. What? Sixty two? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna create. 1,400 temporary construction jobs, but only 62 permanent jobs. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is definitely uh, a big uh, job I mean, to maker. Cite, right? Like, to cite that as a benefit of <laughs> building this? I don't well, know. But. Well, it, like, even if it is a benefit, like, let's say they were making 100,000 jobs. Like, just pretend. There isn't probably a hundred thousand people to work or you know they're like even 62 there's a labor shortage right now yeah I mean, so. <laughs> I mean these have to be like i mean these are probably gonna be very good paying jobs because the oil industry right to pay people well i think um that's complicated work i think i don't really know but um <laughs> uh they also talked about the of course economic growth that goes along with this um and the effect it'll have on U.S. energy infrastructure, resilience, and security. Uh, you no. know, rather than investing in renewables. I can't imagine how much, like, wind or solar or even hydropower could be built for the amount that they're building this just for exports, right? This isn't for using this oil it's for sending it somewhere else right uh yeah they also um that it's a it will provide a source of crude oil to allies in case of market disruption um i think that's kind of they're alluding to russia it sounds like in the in the ukraine issue but i mean it's just it's definitely a backwards jump, right? Not even a step. It's yeah, it just, just doesn't seem to make any sense. I mean, it makes sense if you if you expect the government to do what it's always done, or expect the U.S. industry to do what it's always done, right? Which is say one thing, do another True. thing based on who it benefits. Yeah, and I mean, it's just another typical uh you know i mean typical big private company is going to be making a ton of money well then 
you know, we're going to be left with the all the turmoil, you know, all the the cost, you know, because oh. we're we're still relying on oil, even if it's not being used on site. We're still that oil is still going to be sent somewhere, and it will still yeah. create greenhouse gases. Yeah, and right. I'm I'm going to talk about. Oh, you can finish that next time. Oh, you're good. Well, I'm going to talk about next time the uh, the damages and loss fund that I guess was agreed upon at COP27 and where those funds are coming from. Um, but, I mean, this has to have a huge implication on damages and losses in other countries, right? The m- most affected countries. Right. Yeah, I just don't... I don't know why we continue to allow companies to 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 produce this much greenhouse gas and not pay for the the remediation of it it doesn't make any sense to me yeah yeah and there there's already some debate going on or or trying to avoid debate on who's going to pay for it so i mean this is just going to add so much emissions that we've already said we're trying to cut back on uh, I mean it's just a total reversal from what the stated plan was right Biden's stated plan this is the opposite right uh, I, I, you want to say you're surprised but you just <laughs> again this is just what happens they they run and tout whatever they need to to get elected, and Absolutely. and then they just do whatever you know, whatever they do want to do in in office. It's it's just frustrating to see again and again. final article today we're going to be talking about some lab grown meat uh so lab grown meat typically wasn't approved for uh being safe to eat by the u.s fda but they recently have approved a company called upside foods to begin uh producing this meat and putting it out into market uh so to me, I would say this is a pretty cool, interesting move by the FDA. Basically, what this company does is they take living cells from chickens, they grow them up in a laboratory-controlled environment that then produces meat uh, products that were, you know, never, uh, you know, truthfully like a live animal. So there's no slaughter. There's no. I mean, we've all seen the terrible factory farm pictures of the chickens, like, stuffed 15 in one single cage. So there's no terrible conditions for these animals to live a terrible life through. Um, I'm really excited for this product. I, I really would like to try it out, um, see how it tastes, uh, see the price. Obviously, I think a lot of people would be interested in it if it's a similar price or cheaper 
But another huge benefit of this product is that it will help reduce the amount of like food and water that is needed to currently um you know grow these animals up to market uh, so so is this so they're taking actual chicken and they're just kind of multiplying the cells in a right. lot is that what's happening yeah they're taking live cells from the chicken and yeah basically multiplying them up uh in like what i would they call bioreactors which to me sounds kind of scary <laughs> uh yeah i but, think yeah i think there's probably going to be a lot of uh questions about the safety of this product and i i i agree this is uh a groundbreaking move right as the title says um i do know the fta doesn't have like the the most public trust um so i'm just curious as to like what the effects are going to be down the line right but i mean if this is absolutely like meat real meat then yeah this is good right yeah and if it's safe for humans to eat as they're saying i mean why why you know why wouldn't you why wouldn't you want to you know have something that isn't being like i don't know to me like factory farming is torture of those animals they're oh, yeah. such terrible conditions they're pumped full of antibiotics and hormones and, and that, yeah that, that has its own that has its own implications right as an environment yeah uh right. and i can't seem to find the number right now but i was reading that this will you know obviously have a huge reduction in uh, the water usage of these conventionally raised meats and food of, as well because to raise you know chickens or cows they need food for them to eat so reducing those is another huge uh, benefit um, another huge benefit would be that the you know farmland that is typically taken up by these animals won't be getting i mean absolutely destroyed the the amount of you know manure that's produced and runoff that goes into our freshwater streams will be you know hopefully one day significantly reduced by this uh technology actually taking off yeah yeah i mean that's a that's a good point the way farmland is used it's kind of not you know the best for things like water water health soil health um or anything to kind of take away the demand on what it takes to produce food is a good thing just in terms of natural resources right right yeah I, uh, this one i might sit out and wait to see wait to see what people see if find people start it. growing third arms and stuff uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just you know i feel like i feel now i feel that way about all new shit you know what i mean like, right yeah yeah anything food related that's like a new development now i'm a little skeptical of 
Yeah. It, so when I was uh, doing some research for this one, I was also I found one of the only countries that it has this lab-grown meat approved is Singapore, and they've had it approved I think for about I, I probably this is probably wrong, but it looked like about a year to me. Yeah. Uh, and so they've been using you know these lab-grown chicken breasts and products for a little bit now, and it seems like. So far, they've, you know, oh, not had any issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me know, Zach, when you want me to uh, grow you up some chicken breast in my homemade <laughs> lab. <laughs> 3D print it for me. Yeah, I'll 3D print you a chicken breast. Holy cow. That honestly might be a thing one day. I think, yeah. No, I think you that's can, like the direction. You're just going to be 3D printing your own food at home, so... Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm more of a organic guy myself. Organic <laughs> guy myself. Yeah. I mean, well, if we could just, you know, raise the animals right and the farms were sustainable, I'd see no problem in continuing it that way. But it's an unfortunate yeah, I mean, the, truth the, that that they, the factory farms exist, the mega dairies exist. and Right. The industrial nature of food right it's right i mean in some ways yeah there's no way that we'd have mcdonald's on every corner if (laughs) without a factory farm we should should not have mcdonald's on every corner right Uh, there's no way we'd be able to keep up with that demand if we actually were farming appropriately for tonight uh i think we're gonna wrap this episode up um, but just like to thank everybody for listening once again um please yeah. if you can leave us comments or send us an email uh yeah. on our twitter and email at zach <laughs> list them off because i cannot remember them <laughs> i'll put them i'll put them in the uh, show notes i'll put a link in the show notes. sure yeah so go in there if you'd like to give us a comment or you know any topic ideas anything like that we're more than open to or if you're an interest i'll say if you suggest a topic we will talk about it without a doubt if you send us an article yeah we'll definitely at least talk about it unless it's completely your take if you include your take i will read it on the recording uh if it's tasteful honestly if that would be kind of a you can leave this in or out, but uh, if people would want to do like a and a or like, you know, if you have a question, you don't know where to go for some of the answers of it. If you want to send that to us, we'll definitely answer it on the podcast. Or if you want it privately, we'll yeah. do that too. Uh, just let us know. Um, but yeah, you can, again, we're on Spotify. Please give us a rating of whatever you feel is fair. Uh, however you feel our podcast is doing uh, share it with your friends and all feedback is appreciated and welcome thanks for listening and have a good night if you're going to reject an application uh, from an R&D company for whatever biotech product 
then you need to do do it with some kind of sci- uh, sound scientific basis. 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 Sound scientific basis.